So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares, a legal technology trainer and consultant. I help lawyers and law firms use technology better. But today, I'm hoping to help bar associations use technology better. This is a special episode that I decided to record during the COVID crisis to help bar associations. Many of you might not know, but I work part-time as the technology and practice management advisor for the San Diego County Bar. They've done a great job at getting their staff mobilized and working from home and still serving their member needs. I'm going to introduce you to two really fantastic guests and members of that bar association. But before we get started, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Ross Intelligence, the legal research platform that leverages AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Go to rossintelligence.com for a 14-day free trial. Nexa, formerly known as Answer One, is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800-267-9371 or online at nexa.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Clio. Check out Clio's Daily Matters podcast featuring valuable perspectives on legal in the COVID-19 era. Listen to Daily Matters at clio.com forward slash daily or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how to increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. So I'm excited to introduce you all to, I called them members a second ago, but they are actually the executive director and the deputy executive director of the San Diego County Bar Association, Jill Epstein and Keith Fisher. Hi, Jill. Hi. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at the San Diego County Bar Association? Sure. So I'm Jill Epstein. I'm the executive director at the San Diego County Bar Association, and I just celebrated my one-year anniversary here. Woo woo! By the way, (laughs) (laughs) congratulations. Thank you. What about you, Keith? I'm Jill's deputy, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I'm, I'm the deputy executive director at San Diego County Bar, and I am newish to the bar association in that I joined, I don't know, eight, eight months ago, nine months ago. I think that's about right. You, you haven't quite hit your one year anniversary yet because you came in after Jill. That is correct. So both of you are, well, not necessarily super new and having watched the both of you make your way into the bar and become familiar with the bar, I feel like you guys have been there forever. You've done a really great job before this craziness began. And what I really wanted to have you on the show for is a special episode, hoping to help other bar associations. For those listeners who don't know or haven't listened to an episode where I've talked about it. I serve as the San Diego County Bar Association's technology and practice management advisor. So I have the honor and the pleasure of getting to go to San Diego one week out of every month to work at the San Diego County Bar. So Jill and Keith are my bosses, essentially, when I'm there, and they are also very good friends of mine. When Corona crisis COVID-19 struck, I was so proud of them and how quickly they were able to mobilize the workforce and turn them into a mobile workforce. 
So I wanted to bring them on and have them sort of walk through what decisions they had to make, what information they used to make those decisions. And then we'll ultimately talk about the technology that enabled them to send everyone home to a safe and secure place to work and still be able to serve the membership during a time when the members are really looking to the bar for help and advice about how they're going to survive, how their businesses are going to endure, and what's going on with the courts. So why don't we start with you, Jill? When you got a hold of this information. And you all sent everyone home a lot earlier than a lot of other organizations did and other businesses in San Diego. Tell me a little bit about sort of backtrack and and tell us what went through your mind. Who did you get together and start thinking about what are we going to do? So the timeline for us started back in February. and, And I really attribute that a lot to the fact that I have a lot of my friends I have children who are or not such not such children anymore, but who have kids who were studying abroad in Europe. And through my friends, I was hearing about what was happening there and I was getting increasingly concerned. And so when I looked at my calendar, I looked back and I could see that we had our first senior staff meeting at February 26th to talk about planning for a closure in coming weeks. No kidding. From, February twenty yeah. sixth. Yeah. We were wow. I, I like I said, I was just I was just seeing certain writing on the wall from what was happening in Europe. Um, so we started talking about what it would look like to prepare an office to close. But we had the additional challenge um, before we could get to getting staff home, we had the first challenge of the fact that we have a public facing bar center, like a lawyer's lounge for lawyers and their clients to meet. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that we realized was that we really needed to limit exposure. So we needed to limit members' exposure to each other. We needed to limit members' exposure to the staff. And so we made a difficult decision because it is a very important benefit to our members to come use our beautiful bar center, that we needed to close that down. So we closed that down on March 6th. And it was interesting. Uh, most of the feedback we got was good. There was a few. There were a few people who thought we were overreacting, but we... <sighs> We persevered, and um, at that point, once we were able to close it down to the public, close down our live events and our um, anyone who comes into the lounge, then we were able to look internally at the staff. Now we were able to figure out how, what were we going to do now to get all the staff ready to become virtual, and that was where we had to spend. We spent the next week or so getting everybody set up virtually, which at, at least at a bar, at least at our bar association very few people were set up to work virtually and Mm -hmm. nobody worked at home until now. So many of our employees are non-exempt. And so just, you know, the rule of thumb is that non-exempt employees don't usually have access Mm -hmm. to their networks from home because people are supposed to work only during set hours. So Keith and other of our staff worked really hard to get everybody links so that they could work from home. That's a very technical term, links. I'm not even (laughs) sure what, I'm not even sure what, what I meant by that. Um, but but we decided to do a, a practice day. So on March 12th, so everyone was able to work at home. We went home for the day and remotely um, senior staff were monitoring the network, how that was functioning with every single person using it remotely. We were monitoring bandwidth. We were monitoring our, tele- our telephone system, which Keith can talk more about that. And came back on the 13th, on Friday the 13th, debriefed and closed the office. And we haven't been back since. We haven't. So Keith, let me ask you a question that I actually should should have started with, but 
Jill made me think of this when she started talking about the bar. Tell us a little bit about the bar, how many members there are, about the member lounge, how very, very frequently people come in and actually visit the bar and use the bar. Because I think that's a really important point that I hadn't thought about, Jill, until you mentioned that, which is unlike a lot of other bar associations, and I visit a lot of them, we have tens of members that come in every single day. Well, and, and to that end, Adriana, we are a very active bar in that we are so centrally located downtown to to the courthouses in the local vicinity, but there's also an immigration court within our building just yep. three floors down. So we have a lot of meetings that occur within our conference center and our conference rooms that involve our our members, their clients. Sometimes it's a group. So there is, we're fairly active bars downtown and, and given our size, because we are nearly 10,000 members, mm-hmm. it's a pretty vibrant and active engagement that we have with our bar members. So there's a lot of activity and, and that was one of the things that we really had to evaluate and, and consider when we looked at what, what does it mean to shut this down? Like how do we, do we phase it out? And, right. and one of the things that, that we had to do is initially think about what it would mean to just close the bar center from meetings and from and what have you, and and keep staff only. So we did a transition plan where we actually closed the bar center, and it was just staff members where we got to clean and you know purell everything. Because Jill <laughs> let me buy gallons and gallons and gallons of purell way in advance. Now we can't get it to save our lives. <laughs> you know, one of the things I'm most proud of in terms of the way that we took care of our transition plan is the caring concern that we took with employees and staff because. It was hard. You know, we we had bar members that we knew had just traveled home from exotic ski trips and parts of Switzerland. And we had other members that were bringing in their clients that were coughing and sneezing. And, and you know, we have frontline people who express concern. So, so it, was, it was really hard for Jill and I to think about, you know, putting these folks in front of the public, if you will, sure, and exposing them to something that could potentially affect them personally or individually. So, so I'm really, really proud of what we did and Jill's decision to move forward as aggressively as we did, because I think there were some that perhaps thought we were overreacting in the beginning. But to that end, I think that we actually were kind of forerunners in the decisions to shut down early. And, and what we have learned since from some of, some of our peers in the bar center world is, is that, you know, we're kind of a couple of weeks ahead of the game. And I credit Jill for that simply because, you know, she and I spend a lot of sleepless nights. We call it sleepless in San Diego, not sleepless in Seattle, where we get text messages from one another <laughs> in the middle of the night. But to that end, you know, we were worried. We were genuinely concerned about making sure that we were taking care of ourselves and taking care of the people around us. Well, and that's just true to form for leadership at this bar association. Again, I, I spend a lot of time with other bar associations, and I feel like most of them are certainly very caring But because we're a tight, small group at the San Diego County Bar and not a giant state bar association, you both care very deeply about staff and the bar members. So that's very apparent. Before I ask you a few more questions, let's take a quick break and listen to some messages from some sponsors. The legal industry is undergoing a fundamental transformation, and the Daily Matters podcast is here to give you a competitive edge. In Daily Matters, Clio CEO Jack Newton interviews prominent legal experts to explore how solo and small firm lawyers can succeed in the current economic environment. To listen, visit clio.com forward slash daily or subscribe to Daily Matters wherever you get your podcasts. 
Artificial intelligence won't outpace lawyers anytime soon, but lawyers who use AI are already outpacing lawyers who do not. With Ross Intelligence, lawyers conducting legal research leverage AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Ask a question on the Ross Legal Research platform and Ross will return on point case law. Go to rossintelligence.com today and get a 14-day free trial. Use promo code LEGALTALK for 10% off. As someone who visits the bar on a regular basis and sees how well you all work together and how much you guys truly care about the staff and the bars, not that other bars don't, but you're a smaller group. We're a smaller group, and um, that shines through every day. So I think it's really amazing that you took such quick steps, Jill. It's really kudos to you and, of course, Keith and everyone that supported you. I'm sure you had to run all this through your executive committee. How did that go down when you told them your plans? You know what? They were tremendously supportive. Um, I think the they asked appropriate questions as members to want it, wanting to know the impact it would have on other members, and which was perfectly appropriate. And I was able to explain the impact that it would have. The, the honest impact was that, you know, members who come to our bar center would no longer have access to it, that we were going to have to transition all of our live programming to virtual programming. But I also assure them that that for the member experience, it would be very seamless. Everyone would be able to work from home. All calls would be routed directly to people's hardware at home. So I had the support and the comfort once I presented it and answered those questions that they've been fabulous. Another question for you. When you were making these decisions late February, early March, could you have ever imagined what it was going to become? Oh, um, you know what? I, what I would say is this. Every time I made a difficult decision, I thought things would get easier. At least my load would get easier. And what I have experienced since then, you know, so making the big decision to close the bar center, I thought that would give me a little breathing space. But, you know, that rolled into the big decision to close and move staff home. And then that moved into a lot of big decisions about employees, about learning about different employment law, remote employees, mm-hmm. new federal programs, healthcare, that's re- that sick leave and all, lots of employment law seminars, <laughs> which then rolled into, um, which is a different topic, not for this podcast, but then that rolled into the realities of the budget and then having to make some difficult decisions on our budget You know, so I thought that would then, once we made those difficult decisions, I would get some breathing room to just actually do my work. And, (laughs) you know, and now, and now I monitor the news every day and already started a list by my computer of like, you know, what does reopening look like and Uh starting to look, look ahead. So no, I could never have imagined how complex it would be at every stage. That's amazing. To that end, um, 3M stock has gone up because Jill has gone through reams of post-it notes throughout this process. <laughs> As always, oh, though. Yeah, <laughs> don't say, what? Keith, don't say that on a tech, we're on a tech podcast. Please. <laughs> Let's call it like, Keith. There, oh, no, no. Let's just say there are those Adobe sticky notes. <laughs> Your technology and practice management advisor is on this call, Keith. Exactly. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I see no. the post-it because I'm on video calls with her. No, I, I think... One thing that I can say with confidence, and and we have a lot of text messages to confirm this going back and forth, not once have we looked back with regret. There are a number of text messages that Jill and I have sent to one another that said, I'm really glad we made the decision when we did and how we did it. Mm -hmm. And some of them are hard. You know, one of the things that we had to do was consider whether we furlough certain employees who had limited uh, work during this transition or not furlough because we did not want to 
impact our family in any negative way. And by family, I mean our staff members. The hardest decision of all to make was that of, of implementing a furlough program. I mean, I remember back, way back at the beginning when we spoke to another fellow executive director at a bar association here in California and learned that she was laying off staff left and right. We were just appalled. We were like, <laughs> we can't do that. We can't. Like, like, we couldn't do that to our concierge. We couldn't do that to our operations guy. So, yeah. so we needed to figure out a way to, in some ways, keep our, camp, our family together. And so I, I feel good about what we did you know, there were some tough decisions, but we tried to take some care and concern into mind as to how we we transitioned this and spent a lot of time looking at estimates and what unemployment would mean to certain individuals and, and what certain care legislation benefits might positively impact certain individuals before we made the tough decision and the recommendation to our finance committee of the board before they asked us to do it. We actually proactively made the recommendation to them. And I, and I give Jill credit for, for leading that charge. And I'm sure they were supportive because, I mean, you, you all have a very supportive group from the executive committee onto those finance committees and so on. So I'm sure they didn't like it either, but the best decisions were made. And two, what's interesting about this conversation, I was thinking any law firm of the same or similar size is probably struggling with the exact same issues as a bar association. I mean, a business is a business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, as this last month went along, like he said, at the beginning, we were like, we were going to, you know, toe the line and, and not have to make any difficult decisions about staff. But as the weeks went on, it became apparent to us that the pain in our legal community is shared by everybody. Yeah. And it wouldn't be realistic for the Bar Association not to be financially impacted or to have the, the make, or to have to make the difficult decisions that many law firms are making. And so it was, we, we share in the pain and we're doing more with less and tightening our belts. And we just, you know, we can't wait till we're all back in the office together again. Before I ask you about technology and how everybody is so successfully working from home, I'm going to take another quick break. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. More than just an answering service, Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm software, and much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Signing up is free and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code NEWSOLO to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. And we're back talking to Jill Epstein and Keith Fisher of the San Diego County Bar Association. Keith, let me ask you, because I feel like you led the charge insofar as getting everybody connected or linked back to the (laughs) office from home. We implemented Office 365 back in 2018. So that was a really good starting point for at least getting email and people being able to log into their most frequently accessed applications, and our association membership program is cloud-based. That is correct. So Adriana, you remember when I joined back 
in the summer of last year when I learned that we had a member technology officer and I didn't know what that was back then because <laughs> I was so new in the association. When I had a meeting with you and I was just like, are you kidding me? We have a server room yes. here at the Bar Association. Right. And there's like a separate air conditioning system and these racks and all these file servers. I was just like, I, I, I feel like I've just gone back 20 years in time, which I arguably had. <laughs> to that end, I we agree. had implemented Office 365. We have this cloud-based association management system through Member Central. So basically, we're using our file server as our, our network infrastructure. And we've had We've had some issues with some spam emails and concerns with, you know, viral infiltration and what have you. So you and I have pretty much been on the same page for much some time. But but what's happened to us with going remote overnight is it's really forced us to look at how we're managing working remotely and how we're managing file security and how we're dealing with remote desktop login. So, so the good news, bad news of this whole situation is that it's forced us to look aggressively at transitioning to going 100% cloud-based. And to your credit, you are, you are holding my hand and leading me down that path. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. What I feel really good about is getting us into a world of cybersecurity where it takes us out of the, the world of the vulnerable. It's true. Tell me, because I'm not there full-time, were people able to unplug their phones, take their phones home, plug them into a, a router and have the phone system work? So it's a little bit complex. We do have a voice over IP system. And initially, I was just like, God, we have voice over IP. Why can't we just work anywhere with mm -hmm. these phones? This just doesn't make sense to me. So, so we had to do a little research, a little work to figure out with our phone vendor how to make it work. And, and we do have a call center with our lawyer, lawyer mm -hmm. referral service where we needed to figure out how to put that call distribution system in place independent of the main system. So the good news is we were able to figure that all out on our test run day. And Jill, our test run was March 6th, March? No, March 12th. Okay, March 12th. So we so we did that early on and, and worked out some kinks there. And the good news is it worked relatively seamlessly. You know, we had some issues with some folks with their remote desktop getting into the file server, but that's a whole story for another day. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, we were able to be up and running and continue to to run operations as though we were sitting there in our offices at 401 West A Street. So it's it's pretty cool that to the outside world, we essentially became transparent in terms of our transition. And the LRS system is running like usual, right? Callers are calling in, looking for lawyers, yep. you're able to refer them. Referral service is completely up and running. At, and at doing full. a hell of a job, by the way. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Jill, tell us a little bit about LRS and its success stories over the past few weeks, which I'm sure you were not expecting. Yeah, well, you know, we've obviously been monitoring the amount of calls coming in. We wanted to see, you know, were people still, were we, you know, was there going to be any problem with the technology? And like he said, the technology didn't have the problem. The calls dropped a little bit. So they've dropped um, some percentage in callers, but we are still making, you know, thousands of referrals out into the community to our lawyers for cases. So I think at, at this exact moment in time where people are worried about the economy and worried about downturns, this is a no-brainer for our members to get on our panels and get to get continue to get referrals. So it's just been very rewarding to us to be able to really help members at a time where everything is so uncertain. And then we've also pivoted some of our marketing dollars to with the message that says, we're still open, lawyers are still open, call us 
if you need a lawyer. So, and we've pivoted to um, actually to a lot of digital marketing as opposed to the radio, which is we had, we have um, contracts with the radio that has uh, San Diego Padres mm-hmm. games, which obviously are not being played. So we were able to put some of that money into digital and, and just get the message out that we're still open. I think that's our big message at this point, and it seems to be working. So thanks to technology and the fact that you all had you and me, because I'm part of the group too, but it's really you all have, have done this. A lot of your critical business services were already cloud-based. And I think that's an important message to send. This transition was easier for you than it probably was for a lot of other bar associations, businesses, and law firms, because you had Office 365, you had a voice over IP system, you had your most critical business tool, which is your association management program, which is cloud-based. And really, Keith, the fact that that file server, which houses the files that people access, is the only thing that's still sitting there, but you all are still able to log in through remote desktop, is really a huge accomplishment. You guys should be really proud of yourselves, and I hope you are. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to kind of pat yourself on the back when you're still in the trenches. Yeah. Um, it does feel good to know that we're operational because we do have peers in the bar association world who are not as fortunate as we were to be up and running as quickly. Case in point, you know, another major bar association in the state of California really struggled at the beginning for legal referral service because they didn't have voice over IP. They had an old school phone system to manage their free lawyer assistance program. So we really have tried to help one another in the, the bar association world with coming up with solutions. And one of the things that Jill and I have done weekly is participated in national calls with other bar executives across the United States to, to kind of learn about what people are doing to solve some of these problems. And sometimes we get off the phone and call each other or we get off this conference call and call one another and like, oh my God, we're so much better off right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> other times we actually, you know, humble, humble ourselves and be like, we'll be like, oh my God, that's a great idea. We should think about this. So it's, it's been good to have that network of peers to rely upon. I think we, you know, Keith and I have been here not, you know, just a little over a year for me and barely a year for Keith. So some of this, of course, we inherited in a good way. Like the voiceover mm-hmm. IP system was a system that was purchased. It had never been activated, but it was already purchased. And that was, you know, thanks to previous mm-hmm. staff leaders who had visions that these would be good technologies for us to to own. So we we had some of it luckily in place when we started. The one piece that I'm really proud that we added in just recently was maybe six months ago or more, we got a Zoom account. So uh, we started to figure out there were going to be a couple of board meetings. I think it may have even been because of me being out of town at a, for a board meeting. I can't remember where, where what initiated this, but we ended up getting a Zoom account. And so we've tried to use it. We had used it a couple of times, very just sort of like as a last resort. But we were already set up with that, and we already had staff who knew how to use Zoom. So that was put us a little bit ahead of the game. And then thanks to you, Adriana, and one of our good staff members who knew Teams as well, we got Teams up and running, which I never even knew we had. So I love that as just a quick way to reach my staff instead of a phone call. So I use the Zoom more for big meetings. I use the Teams just internally at this point. But I feel really you know, again, one of the silver linings is just learning different features that I didn't even know we had um, in play. So a couple last questions to ask both of you. I'll ask Jill one and then I'll ask Keith the other one. Jill, what were the hardest lessons you learned 
during this process? Oh, so far? I want to say, I want to say the silver lining. <laughs> I have a little thing next to my, I have a little piece of paper next to another piece of paper. It's true. Um, <laughs> it's but, it is, but it's a big one. And I wrote down though, I wrote COVID-19 silver linings because I'm trying to see what are we learning from this that we can continue in yeah. the future. So I think to me, one of the best outcomes of this, where we had to flip a switch and everybody had to be remote, not just staff, but all the lawyers in San Diego had to be able to work from home, is that we are reaching so many more members now through our virtual programming than we ever would have reached through our live programming. Isn't that and the, amazing? The numbers supported since March 16th, and this was up until last week, so I don't even have the latest numbers, but prior up until about April 10th, so in the first three weeks, we had over 600 people register for events, of which 480 were unique members. And I can promise you that we would not have had 480 people through the bar center in three weeks if we were um, not in this position. So not only are we touching more members, but I believe that we are fulfilling what our title is, which is that we are the San Diego County Bar Association. And we are now being, suddenly people realize that they can be engaged with us if they live in other parts of the county besides the downtown Carter. And I think that's going to be one of the best silver linings about this is that people are going to feel comfortable with Zoom platforms, that they'll be more engaged with us, even if they don't live downtown. Um, we're doing all kinds of membership recruitment now that is having very positive reactions because we're explaining our value. And now we can demonstrate it by people coming on and looking at our all of our virtual programming right away. So. I feel that's a really great silver lining. Very great. In my opinion. So Keith, what hard lessons have you learned? <laughs> <laughs> Thank well, you. I, I, you know, so, so looking to the staff side of things, I think one of the things that has been very rewarding is we do have a weekly director mm -hmm. meeting on Monday mornings, but then we have a weekly staff meeting every Friday that Jill initiated that that brings us all together on a Zoom call and we've instituted, you know, some new games and stuff that we do as a staff, but we actually themes. get to see one another. We have another. themes so people have an incentive to shower and put on some certain clothing <laughs> in the right theme. Well, some of us. But, it, but it's, it's allowed <laughs> us to, to remain unified in, in a certain way and have something to look forward to every Friday. So, so I really, it, that feels good because I think the hardest thing for each and every one of us is realizing how much we miss the social aspects of our mm -hmm. jobs and spending time with one another and, you know, asking about family members or stuff that's going on or, you know, somebody's pet, whatever. And, and so, so this working remote business has altered that tremendously simply because we don't have that same kind of touch and, and I don't know, getting togetherness. And from a practical standpoint, everything takes twice as long. I love your technology that we're talking about, but at the end of the day, everything takes twice as long when you can't just pop your head in someone's yeah. office and say, hey, let me just run this by you. It just, everything takes longer. So I think that's a hard part. And I think our members miss the connections to each other as well, the networking. For sure. There's a lot of, you know, friendships and professional relationships that can't, that don't translate to online. And, and Zoom has been amazing, but Zoom isn't everything. I, I mean, I've gotten to the point where I think I'm losing my mind, Adriana, because I don't know if you're old enough to remember Zoom on PBS television, but I, I will walk through the house and be like, I got a Zoom, 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 a Zoom. Um, <laughs> remembering that theme song like, as I get ready for my next meeting. Well, I'll tell you one thing as a casual observer, because 
I hop on those meetings when I can. What I've noticed is it's providing a way for people in the office who don't normally interact because, you know, LRS sort of sticks to their world. The marketing department sticks to their world and program and events sticks to theirs. Your themes that you've come up with and, and having people be very creative about sharing things about themselves in a very fun way is really helping everyone get to know each other. And I don't think that happens when we are in the office altogether quite as much because it's a little more business as usual. Uh -huh. And that's been really fun to watch and see. Well, I very much appreciate your time from the both of you. I know how busy you are and everything does take longer these days to do. Uh -huh. But I think that these are great messages for us to send to other bar associations. But really, everything you've shared with us is relevant to almost any business that's struggling through all this today. Jill, do you have any idea or any sense of when you all might get to come back together in the office? Do you, have you all had discussed a reopening plan yet? No, I just, I, my, my favorite expression right now is don't get ahead of your skis. So I keep trying to set target dates that are, then we just reevaluate them. So our current target date is May 1st, but I will be meeting with our president this week and, and setting a new a new target. I don't, I don't want to leave it open-ended and I don't want to set a date too far in the future because I think that makes people feel anxious, but sure. I also want to be realistic. I know our, I think our courts are aiming to open late May. And so that's kind of what I envision as the next target date that we could hope to be back at least in some way, shape or form. Well, I'll tell you both that you've just done such a good job with this and I feel like everyone's doing their job successfully. Have you all worried? Actually, let me ask you one more question that I'm sure people are worried about. And this was a question I got from lawyers, which was, how will I know if my staff is actually working while they're at home? Was that something you felt you had to worry about or figure out a way to monitor? Or just based on emails and work productivity, are you comfortable that everyone is doing the best that they can? So when you have a call center like we do with, the, with significant staff on, that, that's always easy to monitor because those are calls the same way you would monitor someone's in the office. You can see the calls coming in and the output going out. So that's already easy. And then I think for the rest of it, you just monitor. We do so many events. So we have to see how many you know, events need. Everyone pitches in. There has to be um, mm -hmm. registration pages created, text created, marketing materials. So there's really nothing that's happening that's so long-term that it's hard to measure. Everything is happening very quickly and in the present. So I think it's very easy to see, to see how hard everyone's working. It might be different in a different kind of business because ours is so external facing and event driven, but I feel very comfortable that there's a lot of work being yeah. done. I know I've never worked so hard and <laughs> I'm so exhausted every day. So, um, I trust my colleagues are, are similarly situated. Well, I want to thank you both so much for your time today. And before I let you go, just let everyone know how they can follow up with you or send you a message. If anyone out there has questions from a bar association about how to do this successfully, or again, lessons learned, advice to give, where can they reach you, Jill? Oh, sure. I'm happy to do that. My email is jepstein, J-E-P-S-T-E-I-N at sdcba.org. What about you, Keith? Just as easy, K Fisher, F I S H E R at stcba.org. That's K F I S H E R at stcba.org. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate both of you very, very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, everyone, for listening to New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. If you like what you've heard today, we'd love for you to subscribe, give us a good rating and review on iTunes. We'll see you next time. And remember, you're not alone, you're a new solo. 
Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice solo here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.